What's up, guys? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview entrepreneurs on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is creator Jules, founder and CEO of How To Be Social, a content powerhouse that focuses on helping creative entrepreneurs gain new clients and manage the ones they already have. Jules is one of a kind and inspires everyone she is around to step into their own unique self, Through her company, they push away the notion of following trends and focus solely on onboarding talented people that are innovative, hardworking, and have demonstrated their own point of view on life. Jules and I met at Forbes 30 Under 30 in Detroit and have collaborated on several projects since then. She truly embodies the How To Be Social brand, and I would love for you to connect with her. So please give it up for Creator Jules. Today, I'm super excited to hop on the podcast and introduce one of my good friends, from a city I don't really like in Texas, Dallas. Uh, <laughs> Miss Creator Jules, as her music manager would have her, is I don't know if it's a he or she, but they should be proud of you. You're remembered to introduce yourself like that. But I'm super excited to get into this combo. I met Jules at Forbes 30 Under 30 in a coffee shop, and we've run an event together with Hamza before. And it's kind of funny because she runs a company called How to Be Social. And one of the things that I wanted to pick her brain about is how is a company that's based around social interaction and community handling COVID. But before we get started, how are you doing today, Jules? Man, I'm just doing dandy. Thank you for that spectacular introduction. I can't wait to send this podcast to my music manager, who is a he, by the way. His name is Solomon. Shout out Solomon. (laughs) Hell yeah. Shout out to Solomon. But yeah, so let us know a little bit about what's going in the world of how to be social during the social distancing times. What's life look like right now? Yeah, for sure. So when we met, How To Be Social was more of an organization than it is the creative agency that it is today. We were hosting events for creatives to learn how to be educated on how to be full-time entrepreneurs, take their craft seriously and make money doing what they love, if you will. But we really started like doing the agency stuff, like actually like booking gigs and all that kind of stuff for our creatives, which for the people that don't know, How To Be Social is a, we say creative agency because we can do anything, but at our core, we're a creative talent agency. So we help companies and brands connect to photographers, videographers, graphic designers, models, and influencers. But yeah, so we started really doing that hardcore in January of this year. So am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? Yeah, go for it. So fuck 2020, but (laughs) (laughs) no, we actually started off the year really, really good. We ended up like closing a deal with Virgin Hotels to do like event experience. Um, But as you can tell, (laughs) events aren't happening anymore. So uh, that contract got put on pause, which kind of sucked, but it's okay. You know, it happens. So uh, moving forward, we have really been focusing on like the digital aspect of things. And so, you know, how to be social for me is not about being the most outgoing person in the room. I actually have discovered through this whole COVID process that I'm more of an introvert than an uh, extrovert, which I know would probably be hard for people to understand, but it's true. So how to be social doesn't have to be like out in a room or like going out to the Forbes under 30 conference and meeting new people, Uh, being social is, you know, growing and being a better version of yourself every single day and just learning to live socially because I did a lot of research when I first started the company about what it means to be social. And it really is just being connected to your community, no matter how big or how small, you know, they say like it's your circle of influence And the people who actually live the longest, the Italians, uh, the reason they live so long is because of their connections to their families. And so, you know, you asked me, how do I stay social during this time? I've gone back to the basics. I've just checked in on old friends. I've like checked with people how they're doing, you know, everybody's, you know, fuck 2020, but you get, you got to do what you got to do, you know? And so yeah, you're an entrepreneur, you pivot. Yeah. So we actually tried to do a bunch of online events and I feel like everybody like, 
I kind of feel lame because I feel like that's what everybody started trying to do. But I will say I was on that IGTV game before anybody else. That was me first. You know, there's been a lot of trends that have just happened really, really fast. And I feel like we've kind of tried them on. Now it's just we're back to, okay, like, let's go back to the basics. Like, these are the things that we offer. And we're just going to pitch, pitch, pitch. Because at some point, like, you know, you got to stop the gimmicks and you got to kind of just have to like straight direct salespeople, especially with like what's going on in the world right now. Like there are no events, there are no networking, like you just got to present. So, cause you're on a video call for like what most people. Yeah, you just got to put it out there. So yeah. <laughs> I'd love to backtrack a little bit into how did, how to be social even become a thing. And I, I really relate to the fact that you said you're a little bit more introverted than you would have thought I kind of like had the same realization. And one of the reasons that Thrive pivoted a little bit was because I was starting to enjoy like not having meetings and <laughs> really not having to run around everywhere. Yeah. And I liked now that people were trying to be efficient and be online and get things done in a more efficient way. Cause I started realizing like, wow, like I really love spending time with the ones that are closest to me. And that's really what hit with me. I like to read. I like to be creative alone on my laptop and making things and writing. And really when COVID happened, I was able to kind of dig into those things. So I'm not sure if that's kind of like what intrigued for you. And I know that you're producing a lot of music right now, which is a, can be a solo process, which is really cool. But I just wanted to let you know, I empathize with that and I completely understand. It. I think there's a lot of other people out there. I've been dialing into the word, I'm an introverted extrovert. An outgoing introvert. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I like to be around people, but I actually get more energy and recoup by just being alone. And then there are times I like to be around people, but I do have introverted tendencies, but a lot of them came out during COVID. So again, <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's cool. There's probably a lot of people that connect with that. But how did how did you even come up with the concept of how to be social? Run us through kind of how it started, because some of the listeners right now might be trying to start something on their own and it can be very rocky and obviously confidence is a huge thing. So what kind of started your whole path of creating how to be social? Yeah, for sure. I think that there are two types of entrepreneurs. There are accidental entrepreneurs and then there's people that start on purpose, like with a business plan and like a bunch of like very clear vision in mind. Uh, um, I was an accidental entrepreneur. Um, so when I was in college, started a small blog called How to Be Social because when I was trying to be an influencer and have a blog, all these other influencers were like, well, just do what you're good at. And I was like, well, I'm not good at anything except for being social. So <laughs> that's where I the name came this. from. And how, what, what were some of the ways that you were social? I guess the way that I would think it is that, you know, when I thought about, okay, what is the only thing that I'm good at? Or like, what is it that people tell me that I'm good at? Or they say they admire me for, and they were like, you're always just yourself. Like, you just aren't afraid to like go out there and like be who you are. And like, that was the thing that I always got complimented on. I didn't feel that way. Like I was like still super insecure like everybody else, but I'm just like so bad at being anything but me. And <laughs> that's just like, that's a great thing. So I started it and like, I was actually, I was reminiscing the other day of some photos that I took of my like really old blog. And it was like, are you lonely? Maybe it's time for a bet. And then I just had like a bunch of stuff about like what it meant to make friends and like just a bunch of like very like beginner stuff <laughs> like is the best way I know how to explain it. From there, I started like growing in my career. I graduated college and I was still kind of writing the blog. I'd probably put out like a hundred different articles and I was starting to kind of get bored with it. That's usually if I move on to something else, it's because I've become bored of another thing. So <laughs> I decided at the time I was really getting to events and I was doing events at D Magazine, which is like our local like, ooh, like this is the publication to get featured in type of thing. And so I was doing events. I don't even remember how often I was doing them, but I was doing a lot of events at the time. And I was like, man, I love events. Like I love the energy it brings. It's awesome. And so I decided that 
well, if How to Be Social never comes offline, that's pretty hypocritical. And so I decided that I was going to throw an event. And the first event was called Succeed at Any Age because I was obsessed with this idea that you didn't have to be old to be successful. As I'm getting older, I'm starting to realize why people are old. It's not because like they can't be successful. It's just it takes a lot of fucking work. <laughs> um, so work and time. You can't you can't beat time. Like that's yeah. like there's only so many hours in a day, and like compound interest is a thing in terms of your career. Like if you're social, just put it like this. Every single year, I gain new people in my in my network, right? And then they connect me with even more people, and it's just like you can't beat that. That just takes time. But yeah. I love this. Where did, where did you go to school at? Uh, I actually went to Texas A&M Commerce. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it's a satellite school. So I went to Rutgers Camden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a satellite school. So like Camden's like one of the worst cities in America, quote unquote, to live. Um, there's mm-hmm. like heroin needles on the ground down the street. We were happy. Yeah, I feel like Commerce has <laughs> got to be like second on that list. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got something in common that we didn't know. This is why I do this shit. Like I love to learn about where other people went, where they grew up, their stories, stuff like that. Yeah. We actually had... Like during one of our soccer practices, one of our buddies, uh, funny story, we're sitting there practicing and a kid broke into his car, stole all his books, right? Like out of his car, like in during practice. And we, we see it happening. We couldn't catch them. They leave the books on the ground, but take his wallet, which had nothing in it. But this is the funny thing. College textbooks, they're, they're worth a couple hundred bucks, but the kids that the kids didn't know that. So they took the wallet, which had nothing in it. And then drop the books on the ground, which they actually could have sold for like a couple hundred dollars. So that's what that's what I was doing with a, a little bit in, in my college. But how was how was your experience there? Hilarious. Um, so I actually my story is pretty funny. So I actually got a full ride basketball scholarship to go to commerce, and so that's what I did for my first year. But I also had been very sheltered, and so I didn't realize like. One, that I was attractive whatsoever. And then two, that there was like things like free alcohol that I could get. And so like, that was just like, it was a lot that first year. So I was learning how to like be an adult, I guess. <laughs> how to be social, I guess. Yeah, no joke. So, which is funny because that's leading me to my next part is I ended up uh, deciding not to do basketball because I was like, this is taking up too much of my time. I literally can't do anything else that I want to do, which I ended up like traveling abroad twice while I was in college and like, I uh, joined a sorority, did student government, all that fun stuff. But what sorority? Uh, Gamma Phi Beta, Crescent okay. Moon. I was in Sigma Pi. <laughs> oh, so, I literally have no idea what that is. <laughs> yeah, they're all fucking just new. What are they? Numerals or I don't even know what they are. But I, don't know. Yeah, I should know like the whole reasoning behind it. I forgot that like once I left. But I yeah, go on. Sorry. Sad. You're like just kind of like it's something that you do for four years and then it's just like whoop, it's gone. <laughs> hey, I mean, there's some people that like I like still go at it. They become advisors and stuff like that. I mean, power to them, but like, it it was a thing for me to like, we're talking about how to be social here, but that's really what I I leveraged it for. It was connections. That's how I got my first job. And like, that really taught me, it was more about uh, connecting with other people because my first job came from the slums of New Brunswick Rutgers parties at fraternity. (laughs) The guy that actually interviewed me for my first job he was friends with one of the fraternities that I partied at, the, the president I knew. So when I got into Why the interview- you even, knew, even though he like knew you were a partier? Yeah, yeah. He was like, dude, yep. So we get into the interview and he's like, hey, because it was a three-part interview. There's like, you interviewed with three people. And he was just like, here, going into the group interview, this is what's going to happen. Um, and I was like, dude, thank you. <laughs> so he basically primed me to crush the group interview. Uh, after interviewing with him. And that was all because of being in a paternity. So uh, sorry to cut you off. (laughs) No, you're fine. And that actually works out well for where I'm going because I got nominated by my sorority to run for homecoming queen. And I actually won homecoming queen in my college. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's gotta be one of the only things my sorority has really done for me. Not, not that they didn't build my character and a bunch of stuff when I was in college because living with a bunch of women will do that. But or at least I haven't like reaped the benefits of it yet. I'm like waiting for like some clients and jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Gamify beta, let's go. Yeah, literally. If there's any Gamifies listening on here that own a business that want to hire a sister, I'm your sister. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hey, speak it out into the world. I, I guarantee it's going to happen within the next year. But yeah, so you were you were at Texas A&M Commerce and then obviously you were creating how to be social. What time frame did you start it? 
Yeah, I started it like my last year in college because one of the other reasons I had a lot of reasons for doing it. One of the other reasons I did it was because I got my degree in PR and journalism. Um, but I had like literally zero writing <laughs> like anywhere. And so I was like, I should probably start writing. Um, and so I ended up doing that because of that. But how to be social after that first year of college kept growing into the events and the events just kept getting bigger and bigger. I was like, I was modeling in the like community at the time. So like there was this like, I don't want to say it's a phenomenon, but like it was one of those special moments in time where I would go to these things that we called meetups and like photographers and models like would come out and like we were having like meetups like every weekend. Like we were just like really into it at the time, I guess. I remember there would be like a hundred plus people at these meetups. And that's how I got really like ingrained into the creative community because I was at every single one of these meetups. Like I was super invested. Like I wanted to plug into something. And so I did that for a long time. And that's when I threw my first event, Succeeded Any Age. A ton of people from the creative community came out. And so that's kind of how I started tailoring my message for creatives. I was like, well, it seems like these are the people that like want to be my audience. <laughs> so like, I guess that's who I'll speak to. And I realized the creative problem that was happening is that creatives were getting screwed on like contracts and deals and different things like that. And so I was like, I know a bunch of people in business that don't get screwed over on deals and like are older and can like tell us how to do things. So yeah, I started hosting all those events and it just really started to become a brand name to the point where now I'll go out and like, it's usually like the bartender or the barista, but they know what how to be social is in DFW. So I'm like, yeah, I, I own that. And they're like, no way. I've been to one of your That's events cool. before. So yeah, it's pretty cool. But I know for a fact it wasn't easy. So that's what I'd love to dig into and learn a little bit more about like what the struggles were when you started it. So funny story here, shout out my, my buddy, Jeff McSweeney in Boston. He was the only person when I started the blog, he was the only person I would share my blog with. I didn't, I, I made it like a Wix blog account or some shit and it wasn't even live. And I would write these blogs and I was afraid. It's crazy because like I tell these stories because now like I'll hop on podcasts, I'll do whatever, like I'll, I'll go live, yeah. all this stuff. But this is only five years ago. And five years ago, I was afraid to even write something and put it out there versus now like companies will pay me to riff something off the top of my head. And I want to inspire people to really put themselves out there because yesterday was too late to start. Like just start today somewhere and nobody really cares at the end of the day. So for you, what were the big, biggest thing I struggled with was I felt stupid. I was felt dumb. I didn't want to get criticized. I, I didn't want hate, all that stuff that goes along with it. What are some of the things that you struggled with in the beginning of creating that blog? I'll be honest, I miss the beginning days because here's the one thing is I've never, it's like kind of, I said, I've never been scared to like just be who I am because that's all I've got. And so that was never my problem. My problem, actually, I would say the biggest struggles that we're going through right now are actually right now, like doing the blog, like all I had to do was write some something and like get it out on the internet, like put some cute photos with it. When I did events, there was never really a monetary thing attached to it. It was just like this passion thing that I love to do and it was amazing. And like, I love to say that I'm the queen of events because I would have like 400, 500 people events and I would spend like maybe $500 if that on like putting the event together because I was just bomb at like putting all the pieces together and like finding people that wanted to be a part of this community. And so that was the fun part. <laughs> Now I feel like it's a lot harder running a business, but, and I mean, like I said, I feel like this is like our first year as like officially open for business. And in addition to like COVID, I feel like COVID really hasn't done too much to us except for like the entire buyer sentiment is just lower. But I mean, I'm learning how to build a business in one of the worst years you've probably ever learned how to build a business and we're still growing. And that's when the best businesses are made. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to be so fucking good at this. Like, my rejection yep. rate is going to be so high this year that nothing will be able to take me down. Yep. So Every no is closer to a yes. Yeah, literally. I, like, thought that in my car as I was driving to the office today, I, like, was doing some, like, leads. And I was driving to the office, and I already got told no once this morning. I was like, yeah, I got through that first no. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the hardest part has been, like, 
just finding the rhythm because honestly there is a rhythm to no matter what you do in life. When I was doing the blog, when I was doing events, at some point I always came to a stop in my rhythm and I was like, well, this isn't really working anymore. Like, what do I, how do I evolve this? Like, how do I make this the next big thing? Or like, how do I move this into its next evolution? And I think, you know, that's one of the moments that I'm at in my life right now with the company. And that's where I was when I changed from the blog to events and when it changed from events to what it is now. And so it's just always being ready for that evolution and like knowing that like, just because things are going exactly the way that you want them to, it just means you need to try something else and like try to figure out the flow of it. You know, you have that pyramid you showed me and I love it because it's a great example of like the business pyramid. Can you tell them? Yeah. It's for the listeners. Like, yeah. One of the things that I was looking for, because I hundred percent agree with you when you're doing things just for fun, it seems like they work like crazy. As soon as you start to try and monetize, it's like shit hits the fan. Like no matter what you're trying to do, shit just hits the fan. Uh, it makes things complicated. It makes them murky. It makes them muddy. Um, so I kind of created this little pyramid, which helps businesses focus. A lot of people, when they start something, they focus on social media, selling, branding, not actually understanding at the bottom of my pyramid is finance, systems, technology. And the reason that we start with finance is because if you can't even manage your own personal finances, how are you going to grow a business? Like business is all about forecasting out and being understand how do you make every dollar? I love what you said about you would throw the best parties for $500. That's already a good sign that if you can make good things happen with a reduced amount of income, you're going to be successful at scaling. But then you have to, <laughs> the thing about companies is then okay, Jules is good at that, but you got to teach five other people how to be like that. And that's really where like the systems come in, the operational systems of how do I write SOPs and standard operating procedures to help grow my knowledge base? Because it doesn't matter, like Jules, you can't do everything. You can't be the lead musician, the audio engineer, the, the person selling and making cold calls. That's the, t that's the real tough part about business. So I, I completely wholeheartedly understand where you're at. And that's one of the reasons that I made that pyramid in the first place where after technology, then it goes brand, social media, marketing, and sales is at the very top. Because if you lead people, and I was describing this earlier to one of my friends, like think of it like the animal kingdom, like Lion King, right? You have on the safari, there's like meat and then there's carcasses. And it's just like a lot of businesses, what they do is they focus on sales and they lead their leads to a carcass. And they're like, what the hell is this? Why would I stay here? Versus you need to understand your customers so well that when you lead them to the actual meat, they stay there and they get full. And then you have another dish to give to them because that's called creating something sticky. Don't focus on sales until you have the sticky part. Um, and the sticky part really is having a team and having a culture and having your mission statement on your website. And what, what can we do for you so that when I land on the website, it's like, oh, this is for me. I'm going to contact Jules and you make it more inbound than, than outbound. Um, but I don't want to get into any of that, but that's that's kind of like what you're referencing. The reason I bring that up is because I feel like that's a good example of just kind of like where I'm at right now. Like when I first talked to you, I think I, I did I had done like marketing and branding, all that kind of stuff really well. And I had been working on becoming like a really good leader and like working on culture. So all those things in my company are so good. Like if there is one thing that I can truly brag on is that my team is the best. We do a great job of what we do. Everything that comes out is like beautiful. Like, and we have a great time while we do it. Mostly right now it's sales. Sales was something I had no fucking clue how to do. Zero <laughs> clue. And I feel like people always tell me like I'm naturally a good salesperson. And I'm like, that is, that has nothing to do with sales. <laughs> that literally has nothing to do with sales. I mean, it does when it comes down to the close for sure. You're good at closing. Yeah. yeah. So there's a, there's a difference between f making a pipeline and then like, I'm, I'm the same way. Um, I, I don't like sitting here cold calling or, or doing those emails or whatever. I'm the guy you bring in at the end. That's just like asking the questions that makes that person intrigued to. So I wholeheartedly, again, I understand. Yeah. And this is why one of the reasons, so the backtrack, I took a sales job before I went full-time entrepreneur for that very reason. I went through three months of sales training. So I understood the organizational structure and like who you want at the top and then who you want to come in the middle and then how it kind of operated. So the way that it worked is 
I was like obviously a low man on the totem pole. So I would make all these cold calls. The only point I was supposed to achieve was to set a meeting. And then once I set a meeting, the, my manager would come in and talk. And then I got to see him now in our business, like Hamza is really good at like picking the phone up, cold calling, doing all that stuff. So he kind of does that. And then he vets everybody. And then we funnel into me, which I then ask the questions. And it's more of like, it's less of a, a cold entry, more of a warm entry. So one thing you could potentially do is, uh, I mean, there's people out there that, especially during COVID are probably looking to make some extra, extra bucks like that. Don't give no fucks about picking up the phone and calling. And like, they hear the rejection all day and then you just hear the yeses. <laughs> That's what I love. Well, and like what you said too. So I, and to talk a little bit about failure because from our failures, we learned so much. I feel like earlier this summer, I brought on somebody to kind of help with sales. I still had no idea how to do sales. So me and her kind of just like, she had no idea how to do sales either. I just like brought her on because she was like extra hands. And I figured the more the merrier. So we together like basically built our entire sales system as I was also teaching her. So I would like learn a lot and then I would yeah. like do it and then I would regurgitate it. To her. <laughs> so, and that's when you really learn when you're teaching. Oh yeah. And like, that's great. Yeah. Cause now I know sales. <laughs> but, like, yeah. It's funny because people, you know, and I, even I get this way sometimes people let imposter syndrome of like, Oh, I've never done it before. Like I'm not that great at it. I'm like, fuck it. You're never going to be good at it until you do it. So just do it. You ever heard the term smile and dial? No, I've never heard just that. Just fucking pick the phone up and just smile and dial. Like, yeah. so there, there's a, there's a psychological thing where if you just pick the phone up and you smile the whole time, like, like you are right now, like good things will happen. Yeah. Even if it's like a no, like you're, you're more composed if you smile. So one of the things that I would put in front of my desk is literally just smile and dial. <laughs> So before I pick the phone up, most of the time you're like, oh, no one's going to pick up. So I'm just sitting there like lounging, frowning, whatever. Yeah. But if you literally just, I mean, it's tough, but like get some caffeine in you and just smile the whole time and then teach your team to do it. It, it Good things happen. I mean, I that's when I started locking up a few deals is when I was just like, you know what? I'm tired of losing and I'm just going to like, uh, I'm not going to take no for an answer. Yeah. And and just smile through the, through the thick of it. Um, it, sounds, it sounds so fucking simple, but it's like, psychology and mindset yeah the rejection like and i'm i'm fine now i'm like you could tell me to go fuck off and i'd still be like oh, yeah. have a great day you know like yeah. that's just how you have to be but like i swear like the moment that i figured out and i hope this helps listeners the moment that i figured out it was a numbers game i was set i was like oh you mean everybody gets rejected this much yeah. i was like and I'm better at it than most people. Great. <laughs> I'm just like, let's do this thing. It's like baseball. You, you, I mean, there's there's baseball players making $20 million a year and they strike out every other time. Yeah. That's crazy, right? So it's just like, it's the same thing. And that that's that's really what sales is, is learning how to, it's, it's not really learning how to win. It's learning how to get stomped on every single day and just keep going. And really it's, just like we were talking about kind of before we were hopping on here too. It just takes time. Like yeah. everything is about just putting one foot in front of the other and building your book of business because a no today might turn into a yes six months down the road, but you don't see that unless you actually took the no today yeah. and you don't give up. Cause if you're still in business six months down the line, someone might reach back out to you if you were able to keep that book of business. So one of the other things getting into the technical jargon that I, I like to talk about a little bit, do you have any CRM to just like every no are you getting? Are you still following up with people like a month? I know with startups, it's very tough to do this, Yeah. but I'm just wondering, I'm curious. Yeah. So I've known the importance of a C so this is my brain and the, all the studying I did about how to have a business. I knew I needed one of those. And so I've always had something. So when we started, we had like Trello and that was fine. Um, but then we ended up, one of our people like had a boyfriend that was like in, um, he like built technical thing, like SaaS platforms. Thank you. I was yeah. like, what is the word I'm looking for? Anyways, <laughs> um, and so he built us a mini CRM and then we were using that for a little bit. And then I found out that HubSpot was free. So I just went and like went in on HubSpot. So that's kind of what we use right now. I definitely don't think I'm using it to its fullest potential, but I am very good like 
there might be three different documents, but I have every person I've ever DM'd or emailed on there because it's just like you said, you never know in a year from now, like they might need our services. And one of the things I would actually suggest people to do is if anything, get their email, like just take down their email because you can easily at any point, you don't even have to do it when you first start your business. But if you build like an email list of viable businesses that you've maybe have one or two touch points with, you can easily put that in like a little marketing campaign and an email sheet. And like they can get to know your business over time and eventually they'll feel comfortable with you and then they'll reach back out. Or you can reach back out in six months to a year and they're like, oh yeah, we remember you. You've been sending us emails. Yep, exactly. And this is another thing that you can do is kind of called segmentation. Again, simplicity typically wins when at my sales job, they called it an A rec, a B rec and a C rec. And I'm like, when I started, I was like, what the hell is this? Well, an A rec is someone that's like hot. A B rec is like, eh. and then C is just like, they're cold. They don't like us, but maybe one day we can reach back out. Right. So what you do is after you like shoot a DM, you just funnel that person into either an Excel sheet or something, and you just label them A, B, or C or, or something, yeah. which that way in the future, what you do is we would only focus on trying obviously to get A's, like lock the A's up. But what you can do in the future is hire somebody from wherever and say, hey, we got a bunch of these B's and C's. Can you just follow up with them? We just made a new sales sheet. And then you pay someone 50 bucks and they follow up with a list of the 300 people that you reached out to over the course of the year. And even if one or two people buy from you, that's still money that you never would have had. And you outsource that simply because you were actually taking that documentation. So even the fact that you're just using it is, is really good. Um, because again, in the long run, you can hire somebody to just go through, sift through all that information and then start reaching back out. And then you're not, you're you're not taking the rejection in that, in that case. And the other thing I'll say too, is like, for me, I get so overwhelmed by all the information sometimes that it's kind of like what you said. You're like, I made a new sales sheet. Like just every once in a while, I'm like, totally scrap it, reorganize it, put it back together because it's a lot like to get the numbers that you want, especially this year in 2020, like you've got to be putting out at least 20 times like what you're expecting like and that's on the low end because the conversions are usually like much smaller especially right now (laughs) so but that's what i'm saying is like even though so two weeks ago we had two deals in our pipeline one was going to be a nine grand a month deal and the other one was going to be like three grand a month deal i was super excited because honestly those would have held us out i wouldn't have had to really do any more sales (laughs) i could have just like had this the next six months and been fine And both of them ended up falling off. And it wasn't like anything I could have done. One was like, hey, we're not raising our next round until 2021. And I was like, I get it, COVID. Like, what am I supposed to do to that? It's like one of those objections you can't really do anything about. And the other one, she was like, I found somebody to do a trade of services with me. I'm like, damn it. (laughs) So it's like, you can do the best job you can possibly do. And it still doesn't work. And that's, I think, why I'm like, I'm learning that right now and like trying not to attach myself to those outcomes because it can feel really personal. So that's why I think right now is like the hardest time in my business is because I feel like I'm getting fucking slapped around a lot, but <laughs> no, man, that it happens at the best of people. And honestly, the, the best people are the ones that happen to the most. Cause it may like, if you don't give up, if you don't stop, then you come out on the other end. Like this is going to business is going to start picking up. And because you, you're just getting the way that I look at it is like iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Like the more no's you get, the more, the better you have to get, or you give up like that's, and most people right now are giving up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, in the financial crisis of 2008, like the companies that came out of it, the Ubers, the Airbnbs, like these companies, Facebooks, Twitters, whatever, like we feel like they've been around for a long, really long time, but they haven't like they, they kind of started during our last crisis here and they got sharpened it literally lays the groundwork for everyone else disappears like the people that are half-assing they disappear yeah so the cream of the crop rises to the top so power to you to like really push in through it it's not all doom and gloom though so you're yeah your brand <laughs> and what you're doing is is amazing tell us a little bit about the good stuff that's going on like you're putting out music videos and you, you yeah. said you have a team who's on the team uh so let's just start with what does the team look like? And you said you have a good culture. So talk a little bit about that. Give us that positive vibe. 
Yes, we love the team. The team is my favorite. So, you know Alex Powell, the man, the myth, the legend, God amongst men. He is still rocking it in our project manager position. So, he now handles all, or we call him the experience manager. So, anytime we have a client or anytime that we're working with people, he's the front man for all of our clients. And so... He's still rocking it. We have Chris, who's our creative portfolio director. She manages all the talent and just makes sure that they have exactly what they need, whether it's influencers who need media kits or if it's they need somebody to deliver like a client deliverables. It doesn't matter. She's got it. Then we have Crystal, who's been with me since day one. She's internal ops. Yoki, who's also been a day one, but she just rejoined the team and she's doing marketing and media. And then we've got Bo, which you would love Bo. Actually, you and Bo look very similar as humans. <laughs> but Bo is our creative director and he's been, if you've noticed, we have some really great like graphic stuff and things being put up lately and that's all him. He is oh, yeah. freaking fantastic. I need to get in contact with him then. Yeah, he's dope. Um, I'll connect you guys. He would love, love, love to be connected to you. Actually, y'all are twins now that I'm thinking about it. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> like maybe not exactly, exactly, but I feel like y'all are very similar. But we also have uh, interns that just came on this semester. So we have two digital marketing interns and a content creation intern. Um, it is Carmen, Lindsay, and Mara, and they are all amazing. And the one thing that I will say, if I can say something for this podcast, is do not be scared to not hire college interns. One of the women that we have, she's like currently pregnant and about to give birth. And like, she's one of the hardest workers I've ever literally met in my entire life. Lindsay got furloughed after her first year out of college. So it's like, you just got to like, look for the talent. Like don't just like look for uh, people that fit the mold. Like if you're looking for people that look or act a certain way or have a certain number, I've worked at an agency where they literally would look at the number of followers the person had before they would hire them. And like, to me, it's more about making sure it's a good culture fit, making sure that they have good work ethic and like making sure your interests are aligned. I've only ever had to fire one person. And that was just because that person was, a great person they just needed to focus on them for a little bit <laughs> yeah no I, I get that and i want to second that motion that you described and i'm super thankful and grateful that you actually brought that to light because thrive wouldn't be what it is without hamza and when i met him he was 18. he just turned 20 yesterday and now he's a business partner and it's just like one of the things that thrive is like we attach the way that we go about things is everyone's a ceo like that's how i, I kind of operate is like in our company, you learn to be the CEO of your own life. So like when you show up, like we're all the janitor and we're all the CEO when we come to work. Now we all have different roles. Like we have different results that we're trying to get. I'm trying to grow the brand and grow the company because that's my role. And then the other people fill in what their skills are. But at the end of the day, we're all the CEO of our own life. And we bring that kind of tenacity to the table. And like right next to me right here is Jake, who is one of the hardest workers I know. And he actually dropped out of college literally early this year. And the funny thing for him is he should have bet that COVID was coming or something because he was thinking about dropping out last fall. Like it was his first year. And he had obviously no clue that we were about to be in a pandemic and college across the U S are going to be all up in arms and stuff like that. And I met him last winter and he, he came and, and chatted with me. Um, I've helped his mom before and on a few projects and chatted with me and he was like, what should I do? Blah, blah, blah. And he was thinking about dropping out. And then he went back for his last semester. But when he was there in the spring, he deterred, he was like, yeah, I'm dropping out. And then COVID happened. So he called it and like now, man, kid is thriving and helping us in a bunch of different areas. So I want to second that motion of like, if you're out there and you're looking to build a team, like one of the best things I ever did was start speaking at UT. And I, and I thought that through, it was like, I was talking to my mentor and he was just like, you should probably connect yourself a little bit with UT there's a lot of talent that is just looking for experience and I have the connections. They're looking for connections and skills and I'm looking for hustle and nobody hustles more than like, I remember being right out of college. I was just like, I'll do anything. Like yeah. I just want to work and I want to get my name out there. So what do I got to do? And so I, I value that a lot. I have a question for you. I'm flipping the script in your podcast. Oh yeah. No, I love this. What do you think about unpaid interns? Oh no, I pay them. The, oh, really? the, yeah, the, the, the reason being is I look for, for quality and I don't necessarily mean quality in work. I mean, quality in people. And it's not that you can't find quality people that are, that are willing to take unpaid work. It's that 
it's tougher. Like it's easier for me to say, Hey, you're going to get paid five grand for the summer for doing X. And then like a Shawnee who is an engineering intern, who's in mechanical engineer, aerospace engineer, right? She's yeah. looking at, she's looking at internships that are going to give her 10 grand for the summer. So it's hard enough for me to compete for that talent in general. Yeah. Um, so what I do is I say, Hey, you're going to come in and you're going to learn way more than you would ever learn at this other internship. I can pay you. It's not going to be as much as the, the other things, but you're going to learn how to make your own money, which is way more valuable in the long run. So that's kind of how we pitch it. Um, yeah. But then here's, here's something that you could potentially do that I've done, raise money to sponsor um, your interns. So there's a lot of people out there, investors and, and people that basically you and I in 30 years where we have money that we want to give back to charity or, or nonprofits, but we remember being the early entrepreneur, the early person, and we want to physically see where our money is going. So if you vet your network and say, Hey, look, I have two or three interns coming in every semester. Would anybody be willing to sponsor some of my interns? And you can see directly how they're being impacted because yeah. a couple grand to you and I is like, well, that's shit. We can do a lot with that. But for someone that has made millions of dollars, like three grand is like $3 to, to them, but they can physically see rather than just writing a check and never seeing it, you can check in with them. What I'll do is I'll, I'll send links back to people and stuff like that. Like, Hey, this is what we're up to. This is what we've been doing. This is a Shawnee. This is Jake. Um, and people attach to that story. So that's, that's actually, you bring up a good point with asking that question. I've never, I've honestly just never done unpaid because I was an engineer and I knew like the amount of money I made in my internships. And I was just like, there were some really very qualified people that I worked around yeah. that they wanted to get paid. So I was like, okay, as a business owner, how can I kind of half that a little yeah. bit and trick the system where it's like, I don't necessarily, I don't want to do unpaid, but I don't need to pay them when it comes out to it. Like Jake, they got paid five grand for the summer. When it comes down to it, they're making like 10 bucks an hour because we yeah. work, we work six or seven days a week, every single week, but it's flexible scheduling obviously, but it never feels like work. And yeah. we, I've run an event with you. It was just, it's the same way. It's fucking fun. Like we yeah. try to keep things fun. And I mean, even as a founder, like I make probably $2 an hour because <laughs> I don't take, you don't take any of the money. You throw it right back in the business. So you're teaching, I'm teaching them like, Hey, it's not always about the money. It's about growing the skills that can make you exponential growth. But then also with the money is just like, I know they have rent and all this stuff and I don't want them worried about their rent and stuff. I want them focused on growing their skills and building our business. And I've talked to people that have done unpaid and stuff like that. And it's hard to retain talent if you don't pay them. But if they get paid right from the get go and I say, Hey, look, there's more money. If you prove yourself, there's equity and money up for grabs, have at it. And I've seen that work a lot better. Well, and it's interesting too, because I feel like, so I was in journalism. All I, all there was, was unpaid internships. Yeah. So, and I feel like, a, you know, from an engineer to a, a journalism major, it's probably a little bit different for me. It, I think it just depends. Like it's about aligning incentives. So like for me, there has been, obviously we couldn't do it this semester, but there's been semesters where I'm like, Hey, we're going to host these three events and we'll split like what the events are and like things like that. And so I'll find different ways to incentivize like the internship, but it's interesting because for me, I drove all the way, I drove an hour to my internship there and back every single day. And sometimes there was traffic. So it'd be like three or four hours where I was just going to my internship. I was not getting paid for that internship. I would stay and like volunteer for events afterwards. Like how did that leave you feeling though? I loved my internship and see, like, here's the thing though, is like, I'm not the type of person, like just personally, like I'm just grateful for the experience. I'm not a money person, but I also was in a place in my life where I was paying $400 for rent. I drove a Prius. So like my incentives were aligned. Like I wanted the D magazine on my resume. I wanted to like say that like I got to write so many articles like I was on the front page of D magazine so like for me my internship wasn't about getting money it was about getting a little bit of notoriety so that when I graduated I would be able to like have the connections that I wanted to and that is like for me it was different uh, I have friends that are like you that are like no I make sure to pay my interns and like don't get me wrong I love your idea of sponsorship 
But up until this year, it hasn't been, it's been about an organization and a community. So it hasn't really ever been like a big deal for me to not pay them. Cause like I wasn't getting paid either. I was like, this is like an, no, you're, you're, and I want to specify like there's one, there's no right or wrong way. And I'm not downplaying yeah. unpaid. Um, you're also, I don't necessarily consider what you, what you did unpaid. If you're like, cause value is, is value. Like currency is like money is just paper, but there's different forms of value, but there's a bunch of unpaid internships out there that don't exchange value. It sounds like you got something out of it versus a lot of internships will be like, yeah, come do this Excel work. Like, yeah. and you don't get any connections. You don't get like, that's kind of like where I was coming from. For instance, right now the internship's over. So it's my, the sponsors at money is, is gone. So yeah. for Jake, right? Like literally before this podcast, I'm like, hmm, how can we monetize some of the things he's working on? Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm good at doing stuff like that. And then also help him grow some skills. Well, we just bought a camera and I'm like, let's spin up a YouTube channel and try to get any money we make from YouTube. It's all yours. Like yeah. you make the videos, they're all yours. I'll help you growth hack it. Like, yeah. so, and then same with the podcast, you help me with the podcast. We'll start monetizing the podcast money's yours. Like, and figuring out ways to exchange value and put in that work up front, but for long-term incentivization and, and payoff. So as long as you're doing that, like, that's really all that matters. So I want to, I want to clarify and backtrack mm -hmm. on what I was saying. Like, it's not just about money again, maybe five years ago where you're at, that's where I was. And I would have had to do that, but I was fortunate enough to like, when I started taking on interns, I was able to get some sponsorship money, pay people from the get go. If I didn't have that money, it would have been, it would look like a lot more like what you're kind of doing where you're just trying to give as much value as possible in exchange. Well, and if anything, I feel like this shows people that are listening, like there are a hundred ways to skin a cat. Like yeah. there are so many different avenues that you can go down and whether you think it's right or wrong, sometimes you're in a position where it's like, it doesn't matter if it's wrong, you just got to do it. And like find people that want to build with you. Um, Cause at some point, like if there's one thing that every person that I've had in turn for me, I've never had one complaint. Like everybody's always come back. I have them in a big group. I'm like, Mama Jules, like, I love my interns. And so, like, they have always said, like, I got this connection from you. This is how I got my first job. This is how I did this. Because I truly, I am a doormat for people that want to be a doormat for me. I'm like, you can have anything of mine if you help me. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. like, here's my shirt off my back. And so, like, but here's the thing. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying. If you're getting interns to do Excel work to make cold calls for you, if you're doing some shitty shit like that, that's not okay. Like, let's just like put that out there. That is the barrier. <laughs> like, You can't do that. But if you're willing to like take the time to like actually train people and to teach them things and to bring them with you to events and different stuff like that, email, connect them to people, then yeah, I mean, you have leeway, you have value to give. Yeah. And there's also like, and this is just for anybody out there thinking of taking interns on, there is legalities around it. So another yeah. thing I'm really... And when it comes to business, like I try to do things the right way and by structure and not have anything bite me in the ass later on down the line. I'm, I'm more willing to go very slow, slow, smooth, smooth, as fast as something that I say. And I, I follow like the Austin startups, Facebook chat. And there's a lot of like 40, 50, 60 year old entrepreneurs in there. And every single spring they talk about, they post this thing about the legalities of unpaid versus paid and stuff like that. And that kind of always from the beginning when I saw that, because I live more in like the tech consulting world rather than just creative where I was just like, I don't even want to get sued or anything like that. I'm just going to try and find some money and pay my interns. And again, you're working with more people in a different space, stuff like that. Your exchange of value is clear. And that's, that's really what things say is if your exchange of value is clear, you can run with it. But if yeah. there's no, ex if there's no exchange in value, that's literally like slavery that I think they like look at it as like slavery. Yeah. And it's like, Hey, you need to do this, no exchange. And, and that's where the water gets murky. So if you're thinking about doing it, whether it's paid or unpaid, make sure I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer or anything like that, but after listening to this combo, make sure you look at the legalities of your state, your city, whatever you're in for the laws of employment, because that does come into it. And I know journalism is way different. Like I remember being outside of New York city, like when I worked there, a lot of when you're working for publishing companies and then modeling companies, stuff like that, it's a whole different ball game because your exchange is other gigs and connections and stuff like, 
engineers don't live in that world. Like <laughs> they're living in like freaking in the bubble doing research and analysis and all this other stuff. So it's a different, I just grew up in a different atmosphere. So I kind of just took that with me. Um, and I didn't really know any other way. So, yeah, I will say a lot of the creative world is not, I mean, there are hard skills, but it's really your hard skills or your business skills. And like when it comes to creative, it's about networking. It's about having connections. Cause if you don't have those connections, you're fucked. <laughs> like, say it louder for the in the back, please. Yeah, You're literally fucked. <laughs> like there's just like, there's no way to make money or to like, like for me, one of the reasons that I'm getting back into video work and doing video work is because I feel like my claim to fame was events for so long. And like people knew me because of my events. And so I would meet them at my events. It was a great lead generator for me. I would just like, that was me. And like, for some reason that worked. And so now I feel like because events really aren't a thing, my pipeline has kind of slowed down. And so I've had to fill it back up with doing just like straight up like DMs or doing sales calls, whatever it is. But I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, that is so soul sucking that I'm like, all right, how do I get back in the front of people and like show them like, hey, this is me. And so I've been doing the video work to kind of like supplement that. And it's been great. But at the end of the day, like you've got to got to got to be in front of people at all times and you've got to figure out like a way to like spread your message and I think it's really interesting you know you talked about like let's have a podcast let's do YouTube and I think it's great if you have a team that can like help you do all that stuff but if you're here and you're just like trying to go solo focus on one thing and create a lot of content (laughs) and then expand yeah pick the pick the big domino you have to figure out what is it that you're good at and you can do cons- because what you're good at, you'll do consistently. So for me, like it's podcasting I'll do consistently. Cause I love, like, I love everything you're talking about. I love conversing with people. So just like we didn't even tell the story of how we met, like oh, yeah. we were, it was the last day of Forbes and we were about to fly out and we're in a coffee shop, me, Cass and Hamza. Literally we have two hours to kill. So we just go to this coffee shop. I have to sitting. tell you. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> I want to tell people what was going on in my brain because they weren't <laughs> paying attention to me. I was paying attention to them. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, I always go to coffee shops. It's like my thing. So I'm sitting there and I'm like working on some stuff and I'm listening to them talk and I'm like, these people sound like they know what the fuck they're talking about. And then I like overheard, they were like, Austin something. I was like, are these people from Austin, Texas? Because I'm from Dallas, right? And so I'm like, okay. And so I'm just like, keep on listening. Like I'm like being super creepy and I'm like, just like listening. And then I hear like, my email's not working. And I was like, this is my in. And so I'm like, Hey, like, do you, I have my laptop right here. If you want to borrow it. And that is how I like slid into that conversation. And then from there it kind of just kicked off. I knew they were my people. I was like, I just need a moment to introduce myself no it was it was amazing and this is a great topic as well because you you we literally just talked about like your connections are everything like your net worth is your network right Mm -hmm. and one of the things that you did right from the get-go was provide value you waited for the chance to provide value to enter the conversation so i still remember this like it was my email that wasn't working i had i forget what i had to do but i was trying to send an email and like i guess the the wi-fi wasn't working or my computer wasn't working and she immediately jumped in and was like, hey, you got, you can use my laptop, blah, blah, blah. And we started chatting. We found out she was from Dallas. Hamza's from Dallas. So immediately we're like, shit, we got to run an event together. Once we found out what you did, we throw events here in Austin. And man, we ha- I can't wait to, you need to come down to ATX because we have this badass little uh, studio. Actually, I'm coming down at the end of this month. I'm going to Hamilton Pool. Maybe I'll stop by. Uh, maybe you mean you're gonna stop by? Ooh, so yeah, do you have to? You have to come check this out. Like you have to check it out. We got a little studio office, all this stuff. We can record some stuff. Uh, whatever, yeah. whatever floats your boat. But one of the things that I wanted to kind of flip into is what you are doing right now, and yeah. kind of how you've how you've pivoted and kind of been a chameleon. Like you're producing music now and stuff like that. What yeah. does the next next year kind of look like for how to be social and obviously like with COVID and stuff like that you're cold calling and doing all this stuff right now but when that stuff kind of subsides and like things start picking up like what do you hope for it to become over the next year or so and include your kind of personal journey in it as well yeah for sure and let me clarify we have some really great clients right now shout out to dfwcpg they just 
literally started the community for like consumer product beverages startup here in DTX. Um, I know you'll have SKU out there in Austin, but they're really like becoming like a really big deal here in Dallas. And we've been helping them grow. And like, we have a couple other little clients and cuffed up. It's like a fashion designer brand and she's great. Female owned business. So like we do have business. Let me just like put that out there. (laughs) We're still a company, but coming up this next year. So one of the things that I decided to do for myself is kind of more of a personal hobby was like, I was going to do music and rounding it back to Solomon. I actually met Solomon by chance at a event. It was a South by Southwest event. And one of my clients I was running at the time, it was a combined event. And so it, <laughs> one of his artists came up to me and introduced herself. And then she was like, I want you to meet my music manager, Solomon. And I was like, sweet, would love to. I immediately knew this man. He like walked up to me. I was like, you're the dude that's been liking everything on my Instagram for literally like the last two years plus. And he was like, that is me. He goes, darling. He always says, darling, it's a, it's precious. Anyways, so in that moment, I met my music manager. I met my producer. And it just was super aligned. And that's what I mean earlier when I was talking about flow. Like things just have to be in flow. Like if you've said this feels right. I'm going to do it. Do something action backed and watch how it just like works together. For me, I like bought a MIDI and like all the like stuff you're supposed to buy to like make music never ended up having to use it because I found these guys. But I started at the beginning of the year and decided I was like, I really like this. Like, this is a lot of fun. Like I love music. And so I've actually got five songs that are written. They're almost done. Uh, I've got two out right now. One is favorite moments. The other one is good vibes. And along with that experience, I learned how to do music videos. And so I've done music videos with a 30-person crew now, and I've done a music video with, like, a seven-person crew and an iPhone just because, like, you know, we wanted to be different. And so uh, for me, the music thing has really just been about experimentation and doing and, like, just trying something new out of my comfort zone. And I love it. I think that music is one of those things that you can have no money at all and still, like, have music. And so... It's been really nice to kind of just like hear like the reviews and things. People are like, we love your music. It makes us so happy. And the whole idea of my music was to just like speak to people on a vulnerable level about like, hey, this is life. Like these are the moments that make us who we are. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about music. In the future, I should have another song coming out every single month until the end of 2020. Um, 2021, I, you know what, I haven't been thinking a lot about 2021. I've been trying to get through this year, but definitely more music. I think that I'm probably going to put out my album. This is just my EP. I'll probably put an album out next year. And then with How to Be Social, we were supposed to move into Chicago this year, but you know, COVID. (laughs) Next year. Why Chicago? Um, so Chicago for me. Connections or... Well, I have good connections with the creative community out there. I feel like uh, the business community, I'm friends with all the people that are in startup world out there. So that's pretty cool. But Chicago is personally, I just, I know it's where I'm supposed to be in terms of like, it's just like my place. Every time I've gone out there, it's got a great city vibe, old soul. Like it's a cleaner New York. (laughs) Nice. But yeah, they have a great creative community out there and the startup ecosystem is actually like one of the best in the world. So it's like up there. It's like I would say the Dallas economy and the Chicago economy are very similar. So it makes sense for us to move into a similar market rather than being like, let's just like go to L.A. Like L.A. sounds great. Everybody does that. Yeah, I have no idea how that market works, but I know how Chicago works. (laughs) That's very wise. Like, hell yeah. I love Chicago. Millennium Park. Haven't been there in a couple of years, but. It's, it's a nice place. I just can't. The cold. I just can't. Yeah, yeah. I want to live there part-time. I want to live there in the summer. <laughs> it's nice. And then come back to Texas in the cold. <laughs> have a summer house in Chicago. But we're getting close to wrapping up here. And one of the last questions that I kind of ask everybody is, what is your moonshot goal like over your lifetime? Like, What is something that you aspire to not just achieve, but mission that you want to live through? And it doesn't have to, you don't have to answer this to a T. It just... It's your chance to kind of throw paint on the wall. And for you, I, I love this question because you're just like, fuck it. I'm just going to start doing music videos like that. That's the type of people that I want to be around. And I'd love to just hear like you throw paint on the wall of over the next decade of your life. What do you see happening? What do you aspire to do? Who do you aspire to connect with? And maybe somebody that's listening can help get you a little bit closer to that quicker. For sure. I mean, I guess what I would call them is like, 
earthly goals. So I've got my spiritual goals and I got my earthly goals. My earthly goals are like, I want to be a Forbes under 30. I want to give a TED Talk. If anybody on here can get me a TED Talk, I would love to do a TED Talk. Oh, yeah. Um, those are more of my earthly goals. And obviously, I want to grow and expand how to be social. We want to do coffee shops. And we also want to like make a SaaS platform to connect creatives to companies. But those are more my earthly goals. I am a spiritual person. I believe in God. Bless, amen. But with that being said, I just want to be a friend to the friendless. Like I want to help people realize that the gift of life is just being alive. And, you know, all the things like money and fame, like those are things that we as humans came up with to make ourselves feel better. But like all you need to really do is just enjoy life, be alive and be a good friend. So those are those are my goals. <laughs> I love that. And one other thing, I'm always choppy, man. <laughs> brain just jumps around good thing we have an audio engineer (laughs) (laughs) shout out to joe who does the the audio on this he's my boy but yeah so i have an opportunity we run a network a creative network on mighty networks and you said you talked about wanting to get out there if you have anything you want to teach or educate on for creatives and how to be social as a creative can you please come and teach a lunch and learn it's every Wednesday at noon CST. Um, I'll chat with you about that afterwards. And then also the SaaS platform with the creatives, something that Hamza and Jasmine and John, who are phenomenal videographers here in the AETX and help us with Thrive and are a part of our team. They raise a lot of problems that creatives are having. And one of them we realized is getting into different networks and getting gigs. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we were discussing was also some type of SaaS and I'm always willing to spitball and help people because that's not the lane that we're really going towards. But we've been spitballing on that idea in the past. So would love to chat with you about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and if there's anybody out there right now, if you're a techie, please connect with Jules because that's kind of like the world you're going to want to have to go into is combining the creative with the technical side. Yeah, I have all the vision. I can make the business. I can tell you all the things that probably need to go in it. I literally cannot build the damn thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it completely. Hey, stick to what you're good at. And this is what the show is for connecting people. That's really what we're here at thrive is connect communities and connect people. It's funny that you mentioned, um, what you're good at. All I know is how to be social. Well, I had my buddy Fias on this podcast and after the podcast, he's one, he's a guy I look up to. Um, and I was like, man, I'm in a funk. Like what is my superpower? And he was like, I know that if I just stick to my superpower, everything will, everything will happen. And he's like, that's easy. He's like, if you look at people in Austin and I asked them how they all met each other, it's either through you or at an event through you or something you tried to help do. And I was like, oh shit, now I need to, now I know what I need to do. And it's just be more social continue to do that. But it's so hard because you don't see it like in yourself. So I'm saying that story because thank you so much for speaking up in that coffee shop at Forbes. And it's, it's a pleasure to know you and see you continue to grow and thrive and anything we can do here at Thrive On Life to help you guys just let us know. But before we wrap up, is there any parting words that you have for the audience? Yeah, I've got three rules of life. Uh, follow your curiosity and just do it and be who you are. Let's go. Follow your curiosity, just do it, Nike, and be who you are. And I love that because in a time where everyone's trying to make a facade and be on social media and stuff like that, just being yourself goes so much farther um, and brings a lot more fulfillment. But Again, I'm here to connect people. So how the fuck can people connect with you, Jules? Where can they find you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Creator Jules on all the platforms. My music is now streaming on Spotify and Apple. Um, I suggest listening to favorite moments when it's rainy and cold outside. And I suggest listening to good vibes when you need to pick me up and you're driving and it's sunny in the car. (laughs) Awesome. So now they know where to find you. The last question I ask is someone out there that is potentially listening to this who is like that target person to talk to you? What is going through their head? What are they thinking about right now? And how can you kind of like make it a little bit more warm because you understand where they're coming from? So who's that perfect person to kind of like reach out to you? I love talking to people when they have just been trying, 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 and they feel like it's not working. You know, it can be dude, girl, whatever. If you feel like you're a hard worker and like life is not going your way and then you've tried everything, like hit me up. I know what that fucking feels like. And I promise you, it's not the end of the world. You probably accomplished a lot more than you actually think you did. And it'll be okay. Just smile. 
I love that. Smile and dial, baby. So again, thank <laughs> I thought, you. I've my sticky notes. I'm going to write that down and put it on my computer. Smile and dial. But thank you so much again, Jules, for having on or creative Jules as your manager would like for me to say. It's been a pleasure. And one of the biggest takeaways that I have from this episode really is what you said at the beginning, which is just be yourself. You never had an issue doing that. And I know there's a lot of people out there that do have an issue with that. And the good thing about the one good thing about COVID is we all get to re recreate ourselves right now. It's a very different world and potentially is going to continue to be a very different world uh, for the foreseeable future. So really take that self-awareness and think about who is it that you want to be and always feel free to reach out to myself or people like Jules who are more than willing to connect and help you level up and get to the next level. So this is CJ Finley with the Thrive On Life podcast. Thrive on y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. On behalf of our small team behind the scenes and myself, thank you so much for listening to another one of our Thrive on Life episodes. The time you spend with us is very much appreciated. As mentioned before the show, our mission is always to help those around us get better. We fully understand that we can go so much further in life together as a team, and we'd love to have you be a part of it. So if you're interested in joining our community, please head to thriveonlife.com and join our mighty network. Within this network, you will find a diverse group of people that is on a mission of self-improvement. Within each improvement we make as individuals, we can then be of service to this world and help it get better as a whole. What's awesome is we've already had people make new friends, receive job offers, and collaborate on new business and creative opportunities. But most importantly, within this group, you will be guaranteed the ability to learn, grow, and share experiences with other like-minded individuals. This aspect is critical to our world becoming a better place for everyone, and we are proud of our group because it represents this. For other updates on the podcast community and business, please join our weekly mailing list. We'd love to hear from you. And before I leave you, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.